so I've, I've been playing with this uh, learning AI thing that does voices. So yeah. I'm going to type in, do a Cameron voice. And he's going to say, hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Holy shit, that was super realistic. This technology is getting kind of surreal. I don't know. It's all fun in games until someone like creates a deep fake thing with like the president's voice and all of a sudden shit's fucked up. Um for for every cool thing you can do with like AI voices and AI video, I feel like there's a dozen things that are are a lot less cool because you could really ruin somebody's life. Did you see that uh I think it was Harvard um somebody's like Final dissertation was completely written by an AI. Any past, like it, it didn't get detected. Oh wow! And it, it's creating this interesting debate over whether or not, like, not so much whether or not it counts that he did the paper, but whether or not the AI should be rewarded for fooling a college professor. Sure, like it passed the Turing test. You know, like we're we're at that point now. It seems like it. It's really depressing that we're we're creating new ways to automate things, and then it's like, what if we automate art? And it's like, what well, what if we automated shit that actually sucks to do instead? I, I'm so on the fence with this because some of it's really cool. I love fucking around in Mid Journey and uh, Stable Diffusion. I I really want to play with ChatGPT at some point because I think there's some neat things to do with that. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I sometimes I have to do data entry that sucks. I know there's ways to automate that. Why why are we not doing like why are we not automating the really crap stuff? I don't want to automate novels. I don't want to automate painting. It's so it's so weird. We live in like the weirdest timeline. We do. Um I I, I saw some debate online about a cartoon studio where they're starting to use AI to help produce backgrounds faster. Uh, like and it's a tool and they have artists like touch it up or fix things as needed but it's like the ai saves them a lot of time in the process sure and um there's a bunch of animation fans that are getting all pissy about it and they're boycotting it and it's like aren't aren't you the guys that get pissy about like the sweatshops in korea where these people are like working 80 hour weeks to animate your fucking cartoon like they don't have to work 80 hour weeks anymore right and so it's like it's it's difficult. Um, it's difficult for me, you know, sitting in like the the most um, prosperous country in the world to say like what is or isn't a good way to save energy or whatever. Because for some people they would like the help, and for other people it's taking away a job that they rely on. Yeah. And neither of these things affect me. Like, I'm not in either of those spectrums. So it's like, exactly. I can't actually weigh in on this because I don't have all the information and it also doesn't affect me personally. Like, there are... I'm too far removed, you know? Yeah, and, and I can think of, like, just based on stuff I do, that there are things, oh, it would be better to automate that because that's not fun. It's it's time-consuming, it's annoying, it's, like, the boring work. Like, if you're compositing some images in Photoshop, uh, cutting out the images is not fun but it's like the most important part because if you do a really lazy job your your composite looks like shit and you can tell you know you cut things out of other things and so yeah it makes sense to automate that and it, as a photoshop gets better there are more and more content aware tools so it it helps you with that and it makes it easier for you so i get that and then it's just like oh but what if we generated just the 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 completed image and you didn't have to do anything and that's neat, but I want to do the thing. Like I'm, I have the program to use it. Like part of the fun is actually doing the work. And so then you're starting to go back and forth. Well, what's what's more important, the process or the result? And yeah, depending mean, on if money's though, involved, it's kind of the of result. Part of it gets to the point where, like, w- will we ever get to a point where it can actually produce the image the way you want it to? So far, no. I don't know though. I mean, like, and that's how specific I, I don't you know. have to be. It, it depends. Have you seen that program where you can um, you can draw like a Microsoft Paint drawing and it will make it photorealistic? No, but that sounds pretty wild. So it's like you can draw a shitty tree, like the shittiest tree you've ever drawn. And you just like a brown line 
and then a green like curly on top and you draw like a blue line and that's supposed to be the ocean and you draw like a light green line and that's like a hill and then you run it and it gives you it looks photorealistic of a little a tree on a cliffside overlooking the ocean and the trees in that position and it it took some liberties to make sure that it was tree shaped but the line is there you know yeah and it's like there's there's things where like i i like the idea of uh going back to like background art i like the artistry of doing backgrounds but for animation like holy crap there's <laughs> there's a lot of work that goes into animation and I think we might actually see more traditional animation if we could make it more economical. Because right now it just costs too much. Yeah. Like that's that's why we don't get it is because realistically, if you want it done right, no one in the world has the budget for that. Because now artists are like, like we, we used to get better animated movies when artists weren't being paid fairly. That's now that true. they're paid fairly, it's like, yeah, we're going to do Tangled. Tangled was and fun. So, if we get like if we could if we could have tools that intelligently complement the work in a way that the artist is doing the art then we can see some opportunity for things to kind of get a little more better in certain situations right and that my concern cuz that all makes sense like but my concern is oh there's a clearly a, a fine line and a balance and if you strike that you're going to you're getting the best of all worlds uh, I, I don't really trust, like, studios and game designers and, and like, you know, the, the people who control the budgets to find that line and not cross it. Because, oh, the further on we go, maybe the more money we save. And then we're into a territory I don't personally like or or find maybe that ethical. So and I, I just, you, I'm afraid we're going to go there, like, right away. Y- yeah. Um... Do you know how there's that critique of Steven Universe where a lot of the characters like don't always stay on model? Yeah, like there there are some like inconsistencies and like objective uh, art issues with the show. Peridot like changes size as the seasons progress. Well, several characters do. I think Peridot it's the most recognizable, but like Connie's face shape shifts like every. Every season, she has a different, like, shaped nose. It's kind of weird. Um, I, I So I know a guy that worked on Steven Universe. And the nightmare, like, the absolute worst job he's ever had. Oh, really? And I'll leave it at that. And I just think about how, like, for a cartoon like that, I feel like they could stay in budget. And the artists could be a little more comfortable if they had some amount of assistance where it was cutting out the busy work, but I would want all the creative work. Like I would want the same number of people working on the show and I would want them all doing the same direction and input that they're doing. But I want an AI to auto complete the background once they have the template finalized and then they can go home and see their family. Yeah, or you like the, I mean? the the betweening elements in anime, right? Where like that's you get you get your keyframes, but then you got to do the animation and draw a couple dozen slowly swinging a sword so you can flip yeah. it like a flipbook or however that works. Like no one really wants to do that. Did you watch that Tom and Jerry where they like added frames? No. So someone did an experiment, and it's it's bad because it's not what the Tom and Jerry cartoon is supposed to look like. But as a tech demo. It's interesting to think about. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> uh, so Tom and Jerry was originally filmed at 24 frames per second. Okay. And someone used an AI. This is a couple years ago now, but they used an AI to make it 60 frames per second. And you can look this up on YouTube. I'm excited to see this because I bet this is going to upset me. It's like is really weirdly crisp. Yeah, it reminds me of like the straight to DVD movies they've been putting out. Yeah, like it's not. There's nothing technically wrong about it, but there's an almost uncanniness well, to it because I know it's not supposed to look <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I think with the animation, sometimes I want 24 frames a second. In fact, we're going to talk about that in a bit. Um, but just we, we're opening about this AI conversation. And it's like, again, this is a bad application for it. Yeah. And I can see a money-grubbing company saying, oh, here's the new trend. You have to get the 60 frames per second collector's edition. And they sell it. And people think it's a big deal because they're told it's a big deal. So they start buying it. And then there's a wave of this shit. And it's like, no, that's bad. But someone wants to make a new cartoon. And they're like, hey, we could save a lot of time on the in-betweens. Let's just run this program real quick. And then, you know, clean it up a little bit here and there. Like, I like the idea of that part. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think about, too, like, um, F- uh, visual effects studios notoriously work like really shit grueling hours and they have to appease directors and marvel and it it's not a great industry to be in it's one of those things where it's like your dream industry you're working on a marvel movie and then you get there and it's miserable kind of like probably with the steven universe guy where i'm finally working on a cartoon network show this is great and then the working conditions suck and there is busy work and overhead and paperwork and all this stuff that you just don't want to do and it's like oh maybe AI could be a, a solution to making life easier for some of that because you're not having to color grade and color correct literally every frame because they filmed it during the day and all of a sudden they want it at night now or vice versa, which I know has happened on Marvel movies. So I don't know. I, we, we were talking about this last night and it's like I feel optimistic about these things as tools. And I feel like you feel a little more concerned about the room for abuse. And I think we're both probably underselling our own emotions. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but whatever. That's the today. Why don't we talk about the yesterday? It's opinions are cheap with Cameron and Chad. And we, we hey, were both us. busy last week. We were. Um, I don't know if you want to go first because you were on... Uh, vacation and if i should go first because i got stoned as fuck well i was gonna say you worked hard on a project but yeah why don't we get into the stone story um i don't know if i worked hard on a project there was i'm flattering you okay yes i worked hard on a project um so the the lead up to this is i've tried edibles a couple times and they've never really done a whole lot for me and i've never I've never had a great experience with them. I've, I've mostly just been kind of like tired and my mouth is dry and I'm, and I'm ornery. And so we decided, okay, we're going to do this again. Um, we got them locally because you, you can get them 10 milligram gummies in, in Minnesota now. And we all take them at like nine o'clock. There's five of us. And uh, we start playing Smash Brothers. And like 45 minutes later, it's like, oh, something's starting to happen. Okay, well, I, I understand the first bit. I, will it go further? And the answer is yes, it did. And we thought we turned into fucking like cartoon characters, Cameron, for like three and a half hours. And it was a really funny time. Um, It's crazy how much like you get kind of weirdly paranoid and it's hard to understand people. And then everything is funny. And so like there's this weird mix of those three things, like just like continuing to circle. I remember at one point, like, Matt turned around and grabbed a Pete, like, a chicken nugget, and he goes, where did this come from? And I don't know if he was asking, like, who took these out of the fridge earlier, or if he forgot he turned around and grabbed it. But it was the funniest fucking thing I had seen, like, all weekend. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, And, yeah, it was, it was a lot of, like, it was, like, three hours of that kind of shit. It was so stupid. Like, we didn't have a useful conversation that entire three hours. But... I laughed so hard I was crying at one point, and then I laughed so hard I was like, oh shit, I gotta remember how to breathe. Let's see, you go in and out. <gasps> okay, I got it. We're good. I can breathe, everybody. You know, like, it was that 70s show level of of, of silly. Uh, on the whole, good experience. I don't want to get into the habit of it because it was a lot, and I, I, I would kind of be worried if I was like, you know what I want to do once a week or twice a week is lose my mind for three hours. Like, ah. Uh, not not quite there, but like I could see doing that every couple months, like getting a couple people together and just kind of playing video games and, and eating chicken, <laughs> which is really hard to do when you're high because you chew so, so slow and then you freak out about swallowing it. And you're like, oh, shit, I still got half a chicken nugget left. How do I put this in my mouth? And you're just like, open it. You know, it's it's so dumb, but it, it was a good time. So I I finally did it. 
I turned into a I turned into a, a, a drug person for a bit. Well, that's good. I'm glad you had fun. I wish we had gotten more done globally because, like I said, we came over to make video games, to do some music, um, stuff like that. We mostly hung out. Uh, at one point, we went to a Hobby Lobby because Matt felt bad about the whole Gundam thing, so he decided to buy me another one, which I thought was really funny because it's like, oh, I'm sorry you didn't have fun putting this together. Here, put this one together. This one will be more fun, maybe. And it's like, I hope so. Uh, it's in my basement. I might start it this weekend. But then he bought some uh, the little ones that are like two inches tall. They come in kind of small cardboard boxes, and they, they don't move. Um, there's like little gray statues oh. or beige statues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he put one, we each put one of those together and just kind of hung out and listened to the music and whatnot and talked. And that was really fun. He got me, um, he brought some of his tools and he let me use them. And it turns out if you're using like really high end, nice tools, uh, things go together a lot easier and it's a lot less of a pain in the butt. Imagine that. Uh, so that was fun. And then, so when we got those done, I grabbed some, uh, some bases. I had some bigger ones and I was like, Hey, let me show you how to do a cool texture paste, uh, with just like acrylic paint and shit you got around the house. And so then we based those with uh, like a rocky texture and once it warms up i will actually go outside and prime it but it has been like four degrees all week it sounds like fun though i i do hope this next one goes smoother now that you have a lot more familiarity with it i think it will um i know what to expect a bit more too which helps uh i he did leave some of his tools here because he had spares and he's like you can just have these and it's like okay these were expensive and clearly from japan given the uh non-english writing on them but it's funny he brought a he brought a case a, a can of like matt matt varnish over but he has like an imported can from japan specifically for like gundam models and i'm pretty sure i can go to the hardware store and get something really similar for like seven dollars and not have to import it from japan but uh yeah i mean that's matt he, he really likes gundam uh and I like that he really likes it, and I like that mine turned out good, and I do want to make another one, and I got a color scheme picked out, so I think it will be a really fun, fun time. And if it's not, it's another, like, months-long thing for me to bitch about on the show. Yeah, and that's content. You love having content. It's kind of neat. But we, uh, we didn't get the song done, or that far into it. Getting people to cooperate especially when i'll have a lot of people are like i'll sing but i want a couple drinks first so you know i can loosen up which sometimes is great and other times is just like you're losing the plot i just need you to do the line the way you're supposed to so there there was uh it, it can be hard to be the producer because i vaguely know what i'm doing and evidently that's more than a lot of other people in the room some days but it was fun we, we had a really good time it was a great weekend well, I'm glad you, you, um, did you work on that thing Joe was t- showing me? Um, what thing is that? The, um, VR chat world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they did. I didn't go anywhere near that thing. Oh, okay. Um, I was looking forward to all week. Like you're going to fill me in on the, on everything you guys did. I, I walked by with people making models. Uh, Tim. A couple of years ago, it started working on like this crazy bust of a like a demon character, and so he he was working on that, and then he was working on like a a pedestal to put it on, some kind of I don't know what the what are those called, kind of some kind of like pillar. Um, I think I walked by and Laramie was making like lights to go in the front of the museum. Joe was working on stairs, so they, everybody was like making things for it. Uh, and you know, figuring out the layout and 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 that kind of stuff. I didn't really, I didn't really want to work that hard over the weekend. I just wanted to hang out and treat it like a normal weekend and then clean. No, that's fine. So that is what I did. <laughs> that's good though. I kind of thought this would take longer to talk about, but um, evidently not. How that's how okay. is your I can weekend, talk a lot. Cameron? Um, I, so we, we didn't record last weekend because you were getting ready for that and I was preoccupied with stuff and it's like, I, I don't usually take vacations. I don't like taking time off from work cause I always end up, you know, paying for it. And so part of me is like, ah, whatever. And something just sort of hit me last week where it's like, you know, I, I got these like birthday checks in the mail and it's like, you know, I'm going to go on vacation. So I just, I took a couple days off work and I drove up North. 
And, um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I went to the Warhammer Cafe. Oh, yeah. How was that? Uh, it's very nice. Where can I copy a picture? There it is. It's very big. Does that work? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There we go. Okay, cool. I can show you pictures. Um, yeah, I went up to the Warhammer Cafe. I love, like, they have this cute menu. Where did it? It's just, like, a bunch of, like, jokes and stuff. And, like, you know, references to things, like, you think they would be. So how was the food? Um, it's fine. It's, like, <laughs> you know, I get a tea, and it tastes like a peach tea. Like, uh, nothing to report, I guess. You're kind of just there um, for, just like, sort the of, novelty of it? The the novelty, it, the store is so big. It's, like, it's bigger than they need. So I think at some point they realized, hey, you know, people are hanging out here. We may as well, like, charge them for drinks. Um, The store, like, the part where they have all the models out, that's bigger than my local store. Oh, wow. Um, They also have a bunch of the stuff from the UK-only store that you normally have to pay extra to import. Um, so this, this is like the specialty models and like the extra, like you, you see in that really big Tyranid where it costs like $300 or something. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that like, like a Forge World there. model? Oh, nice. Yeah. Forge World. Uh, so it's kind of cool cause it's the only place in the country where you can just like look at that stuff. Um, but also in the bathroom, uh, over the urinal, they have this little plaque hanging there, which I guess you can't see on this picture. Litany of accuracy, and then I can't read the rest of it, which is kind of funny. So yeah, <coughs> the, <laughs> the the irony is pretty good. Um, but it, it has instructions uh, to be recited quietly during aim and before taking a shot. Ah. Grant me the sight of the eagle, the calm of the breeze, the patience of a saint, and the skill to smite the foe from afar. And it's just sort of hanging there over the urinal, and it's funny. Was it like, a, was that a cool vibe then? You know, the, I don't know, like the people there, the, they said, you yeah, got tea. You know, uh, the, the people coming in were all like very chill. Like, you know, there was never like that guy. Sure. The employees there, like they all like actually care about the product, you know, like they, they want to talk about things. Like I, <laughs> I was just sort of browsing and one of the new models coming out is, uh, they're doing a new book for the, um, like the Cadian army. And one of the commanders is just a guy on a horse, like an old timey British soldier captain. So it's just sort of fun seeing that in like a futuristic setting. And I was just admiring the model and the guy was like, oh, yeah, isn't that one good? But someone just pointed out this. Uh, there's like a demon horse where it's like a one for one mirror of it. Oh, and he showed me that model and like he couldn't find it. So we're like looking all over the store for this other horse. And like, oh, there it is. And we're comparing them. And it was just like genuine, like talking about how neat the designs are not. Oh, yeah, you got to make sure you buy it because it just came out and it's new and it's been going real fast. It was just kind of like, did you guys notice this? It's cool in like a genuine way. Yeah, that that's the kind of like interaction you want at a store like that, where you're just yeah. there to appreciate the hobby. And like if you decide to buy something, you decide to buy something, but it doesn't feel like an obligation. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone ever has a chance to, I recommend stopping by. They also got so many empty tables just for gaming, too. So it's just, it's a really optimal place to be. What did I? Okay, so then from there, I went to um, Quentin Tarantino's movie theater. Oh, I didn't know he had one. Yeah, so he owns a theater called the New Beverly Cinema. And the thing is, they only play on film there. Like, everything's oh. on film reels. And uh, I got tickets to see Dark Crystal. And it's pure magic seeing that on the big screen, you know, in film, the way that it was, like, meant to be seen, just 100% correct. I, I just, I really love cinema. That seems like a movie you would like. I don't know if we've talked about the Dark Crystal much on this. Have have you seen it? Ages and ages ago, I remember I was pretty young and I watched it and I was like, this movie's fucked up. I don't like it. It's scary. And the, the, the yeah. big birds are mean. 
I'm curious what you would think of it now, because I, I think it has pacing issues. So I think you would have legitimate issues with it, but you would also appreciate what it's trying to do. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, Very nice, though. And it was like <clears throat> the theater had a lot of people in there. About a third of them hadn't seen the movie before. So it was like you're getting these like first time reactions to things, too. Like the little jokes, the little surprises. There were kids in there. It's like I, I could picture Jim Henson literally like just you know, watching over the whole theater and smiling. Like it was the perfect afternoon. Oh, that's nice. Um, but before the movie, they played some old ass trailers and a Bugs Bunny short like they used to do. And I, I wasn't prepared for that. And that got to me because <laughs> it was so cool to see a short before the movie because they just don't do that anymore. Movies are so long now. I think if they did that, I would be mad. Like, I don't want to be here any longer than I need to be for your two and a half hour movie. Well, the last time I went to a movie, the trailers ran for 15 minutes. Like, they could just cut half the trailers and put in one short and I'd be fine with it. Oh, wait, that would be fine. I feel like I've been to movies where the trailers run for like 20 or more minutes. And you're, you know, if you go to like a Star Wars or something. Miserable. Okay, here we go. So... Um, one of the trailers they played was The Last Unicorn. I want to say this is... <coughs> Excuse me. Wow, I got something in my throat. This is maybe the worst edited trailer I've ever seen. It's like, it's so old-fashioned. But it, the edits are so bad. Like, every time it cuts, like, inappropriately or weird. Or the... There was just... There was an audience reaction of laughter. Um, I, Have you ever seen The Last Unicorn? I have not. Well, watch this trailer and and tell me what you think about it. All righty. I don't even know what this is about, but it looks like it is a cartoon, which um kind of surprises me. I didn't I okay. didn't know this was a cartoon. Yes. T- tell me when. I I hit go. Okay. Wow, the demons and dragons pause between those is kind of This is a weird fucking movie. What the hell? It's a weird trailer. Hey, Jeff Bridges is in it. (laughs) And the music of America. It just cuts. Dude, every hard cut, the theater was laughing out loud. Uh, yeah, these are, uh, I don't quite have the vocabulary maybe to describe why I think they're bad, but they're bad. The tone is just bizarre. I don't think the music fits the trailer is maybe the big problem. Like, I don't know what it's trying to sell me, but it's not working. Like, this movie looks like it doesn't know what it's supposed to be. And I have a feeling that's not actually the case with it. And then it's just like, hey, the music of America again. The voice acting seemed kind of bad, too, not going to lie. I think the direction is bad because there's some talent in there and they all do a terrible job. <laughs> it, 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 it's funny, too, because like if I saw something like that now, I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Or, of course, right? You know, they're signing up for they're getting a paycheck and it's being animated and it. Uh, flash or something and no one cares but like this is all hand done like the amount of work that went into this fucking movie that looks like shit (laughs) I know I I mean going back to our earlier conversation um, you know just knowing how hard they work to do this Uh, but then the next day I went and saw um, the Megan bench in Hollywood California oh man um the Tamers guy, he he was really excited about that. I can't remember what the character's name was. Everybody, they're all going to see Megan. Also, every time I see a bench with these like armrests in the middle, I'm just like, oh, that's so homeless people can't sleep on them. It's I kind love of the ruined. um. <coughs> well, did you notice he started like putting those in video games? No, I didn't. I don't really play a lot of modern video games though. There, well, the, like there was um, there was something. 
it was like a futuristic game or something. Um, in, in fact, it might have been Starfield, but it was like there's some kind of sci-fi game in the future, and there's like the Utopia City, but then the Utopia City had the anti-homeless benches in it, and people are asking like, why do you have to keep the homeless people off the bench if it's a Utopia? And they're like, oh, you know, we did, we forgot what those bars were. We're just re- you know, we're just putting in the benches from across the workstation. There we okay, whatever. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no, it was Overwatch. It was um. <laughs> The, the new level on Overwatch had anti-homeless benches on it. And it's like, come on, guys. What's really funny about stuff like that, I remember back in college taking a 400-level like English course about rhetoric and design or something like that. And it was it was kind of a stupid like English majory course. It, uh, I, I didn't really value it. I don't believe it valued me. But it did make me think about because we we talked about stuff like this. You know, here's a clock. Why did they pick the font they picked for the the numbers on it? Why why is it right. this color? Why is it this? Because like all of these are design decisions, and it's like, oh, you know, I never, I never just saw like a thing and 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 considered that. Well, yeah, right. And, you know, and that's you what I do. Well, I I don't know if you picked up on this, but when I was running a D and D game. Like, I unlearn everything and go into a fantasy world. And that's why our compass had made up cardinal directions. Right. You know, like, you know, that's why, like, of course they would tame lobsters and use them as mounts. Because they live next to a lake with lobsters. Like, it shouldn't even be a, isn't this a whimsical thought? It was just like, well, what lives in water? Uh, Lobsters. Okay, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So whatever. And then I went to Universal Studios, which was across the street from the Megan bench. Oh, nice. Every, I, I bet a Universal Studios enjoyed being across the street from a Megan bench. Uh, I like the so idea of that been... being plan B. <laughs> I I love, yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't been to Universal in like 20 years. So it, it was kind of weird how I didn't recognize a single thing there. Um, but I went to Harry Potter land and that was fun. Did uh did you see J.K. Rowling doing a racist against a, a magical creature? Um, no, but I did go to the candy store, and there was a lot of candy. It does look like a lot of candy. It it's not very colorful though. It's all in like brown paper bags. That's kind of lame. Well, yeah, but it's also I mean it's like that's the packaging from the movie. Yeah, I suppose it is, which is very nice. Um, they also had more colorful things, but I tried to take pictures that were like immersive. But I love the wand store because there were so many wands just stacked up crazy. Oh yeah. Um, there's this like rivalry between Hogsmeade and Planet Batu at Disneyland because the the Harry Potter land and the Star Wars land are like these rival concepts of immersive theme park attraction. And it's this concept of you just want to be there and that makes you happy. It's not even the ride. Just standing in line at the gift shop should make it feel magical, right? I guess. And with Star Wars, you can get a lightsaber and you have this whole, like, you know, lightsaber assembling ceremony. But with the Harry Potter thing, you don't have to pay for it. You can do the one selection thing and it's a whole little show. But you don't have to fork up cash to see it. And it's just it was so much better that way. You get you get shoveled into this little room, and uh, there's this great actor. <laughs> she was so entertaining because you really believe that she was like from the movie. And she picked out this little girl for her her wand choosing thing, and um like and you know like exp- explained like what the wand was and gave it to her and like told her like what spell to use on the plant. And little girl like waved her wand at the plant, and then it like withered, and and like the the look on this little girl's face, she's like eight, and and she like delicately like set it back down on the table <laughs> with both hands, like she didn't want to accidentally do something, like it was just uh, like that made the vacation for that family, you know? Yeah. Um, I think with the. Uh... With the Star Wars land, I think I prefer it because I'm a Star Wars fan. But with Harry Potter land, I saw a lot more smiling children. And I think maybe that's the goal. So they they might be winning. I do wonder, 
I was going to say, like, well, they're technically, like, targeting different demographics, right? But that's not really true. Star Wars is a kid's thing more than it is an adult thing, despite all of the you, angry man children arguing otherwise. Well, you're right. But that's the thing with the amusement park is that it's clearly aimed at adults. Like, there is not enough to get a kid's attention. And they also have, a like, the only bar in Disneyland that sells alcohol is in Star Wars, where it's a cantina. And kids aren't allowed. You need, like, reservations. Sure, and I'm guessing prices to drink there are astronomical. Yeah, but one of them, not not that the price is warranted, but you can order like a hundred dollar a flight, where all the all the alcohol is poured in Rancor teeth, and you get to keep the the silverware set. That's cool. At least you like come out of there with a with a souvenir. It, it's a souvenir. Um. But it's like with with Star Wars land, like if you buy Jedi robes, you're not allowed to wear it at the park because there's this like anti-cosplay rule. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, but it, part of it is they don't want a guest to like think somebody's a Jedi and then their kid gets abducted. Also fair. Um, at Harry Potter, they don't care if your kids get abducted. You're probably a bad parent. Like they want you walking around in robes and shit. And you get your wand and you're allowed to wave your wand around, you know? Um, I, <laughs> and it's really cute. I don't know. Uh, do, do, how much do you know about this stuff? Um, not a whole lot. I know I've seen some of the stuff with Star Wars land because like I've watched like Jenny Nicholson's little bits and pieces or, and, and, you know, seen stuff on Twitter. The lightsaber thing seems really cool, but isn't it like 300 bucks or just kind of like a fairly, re- you get the lightsaber, but it is a, it is an upfront cost that you would have to really debate whether you want to spend that or not right now to be fair they're maybe the best lightsabers like there's a weight to them they make really good sounds um 200 is too much for my blood but i have a co-worker where they they've gotten more than one lightsaber oh wow and they, they'll bring it in like they he he got his custom one they did the ceremony but he also went back to get the the kylo ren like limited edition one and they're very nice. So it, you're at least getting something that's good. It's still, you know, it's a bit much. But, I mean, I buy <laughs> I buy Warhammer models, so I'm not going to Yeah, I mean, judge. it's an experience, right? Like, if I like <clears throat> Star Wars more, um, I could see being really hyped about something like that. Just this idea of, like, hey, there's theatrics. You get to be, like, a character. Granted, I don't really like acting or role-playing, so I don't know how well that would go over uh, if I was, you know, in there. <laughs> But yeah. I do appreciate the effort and like the idea of like customizing it and you got glowing stuff and it makes noises like it's clearly a neat prop. It's a neat thing you can have made. It's just expensive yeah. and it's for, you know, really hardcore fans of the franchise, which is fair. Um, I so, do get the impression what, that Harry Potter world is a lot more casual friendly. It is. Um, but what I wanted to say was the wands are magic. Um, they have like infrared on the tip. And so you can actually use them in the park and they'll do things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it's really adorable. Like, so my coworker that loves theme parks as much as I do, um, he took his daughter and he showed me this great video. I'm so glad he captured it because it's so perfect where she just got her wand and they're outside and she was looking at this building with a little chimney on top and she flicked her wand at the chimney and then fire shot out the top. And she, like, turned around all startled like she did something wrong. And it was so adorable. But it was also, like, it was timed so perfect. It felt like, you know, this is such a movie thing. You know, like, they put you in the movie. This is Harry Potter and magic is real within this 100-square-foot area. Right. Versus Star Wars, it's more of like, hey, you you get to come here and view it as an outsider, but you're not part of Star Wars. You're just seeing seeing it closer than you normally would get to. A little bit. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. Um, but I was really happy to have seen that. Um, I know. The other thing I like. It, oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, not to like poo-poo this or anything. I, at one point, I remember like my family talking about doing the Harry Potter thing. And then um, and then J.K. Rowling decided to just destroy all goodwill I had for this series. And so that's not in the cards no more. Plus, I reread the books and didn't like them. Uh <laughs> the the the, the, the I, joys of getting older i well yeah i mean it it's funny because like with harry potter they're they're children's books 
And I think it's really fun that they came out paced in a way that there's a whole generation that grew up with the books. That doesn't change. Like, the books are not now adults. Right. And there's a lot of people that seem to grapple with that, and they can't figure it out. <laughs> and it's, like, embarrassing to watch. No, like, like growing up with Harry Potter was a very magical thing that, that I got to do. I feel very lucky that I was always kind of his age when the new book came out, and that was cool. I feel the same way. Like, I got to grow up with Linkin Park because, uh, you know, they started out really angry new metal and they got more experimental as they got older. And I was always like the right age for that kind of music. Um, I feel kind of the same way in you know, rereading these Drizzt uh, Durden books where I, I, I got into them when I was a teenager and they were like written for me and I got older and then they got a little more introspective, maybe, but not a lot. But at the time, that felt cool. And then you go back to this stuff as an adult, though, and okay, Lincoln Park still holds up, but the other stuff, it, it kind of doesn't, but that's okay. It's not made for me now. It was made for me a decade ago or two decades ago. And it can be disappointing to grapple with that, but it's also like, it's okay. Like, you don't have to like the things you liked when you were a kid. Like, you sh- probably shouldn't like most of it because most of that stuff was not, you know, great material. It, it was made for kids and it was made on a budget. So, yeah, and it, <laughs> that's the other part, like, I, I've kind of, like, I realize Pokemon's not for me, but there's, like, a nostalgia factor that makes me, like, keep an eye on it. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not offended when it's, like, they when they make a decision where it's, like, well, that's clearly not for me, therefore society has wronged me, and I attack strangers on Twitter about it. It's, like, it's so weird to see how some people act. I feel like, I, yeah, whenever, like, there's a new Pokemon thing, I'm like, oh, I gotta go check out what the starters are, I gotta go see what they evolve into, because at a certain point in my life, that was extremely important. And, yeah, it's, it's yeah, curiosity. Yeah, there, I mean, there's, there, like, nothing will probably top playing, like, my first Pokemon game. Because, like, holy fuck, when you're, like, eight years old, and you get to pick your monster, and you get to go battle other monsters, like, that is the coolest fucking thing in the world. Like, that is amazing. And I, part of my problem with Pokemon is like, oh, well, it doesn't do this anymore because it can't. It li- you can literally only do that once. And it did. And it was great. And it's OK. Like, I don't need to do that again. It's it doesn't work when I try, but I still have that first time. And you can always hold on to those memories. Um, I feel like, too. I mean, like there's this it's like uh, in, in the, the media uh, circus, you know, they want. Oh, we're remaking this. Oh, we're gonna do this and inspired by this. You know, oh, oh well, there's a new ser- uh, installment in this franchise or whatever, right? And it's like everyone is so keen on trying to reinvent that magical spark you had, and it's just never going to work, and it never does. And then it's like people are surprised it didn't work, and it's like, oh well, yeah, because you're not ten anymore. Um, you know, Ridley Scott does another Alien movie, and he's only got so many tricks up his sleeve, so he does something shitty. And you're like, oh, this is, it's trying to be the first Alien movie, but it's not. I don't know, like, it makes me feel really cynical and also kind of depressed. And it's like, you guys, like, everyone has memories. Like, it's okay to just remember things fondly. Like, you don't have to have that same experience over and over and over again. Like, have new ones. What? Why aren't memories enough? Like, why can't you just be happy something happened? It. Yeah, I don't know. Uh... So one of my favorite things about Universal is the studio tour, because I like the movie part. Yeah. And it actually like goes through movie sets and crap. And there's like special effects demonstrations and, you know, real stuff. But what they got now is the, the whole um, like a ghost town scene from Nope. Yeah, I mean, you sent me a couple of these pictures earlier, and I was like, that looks like nope. And then you're like, it is nope. And I was like, yeah, yeah I did it. I solved the problem. It's like, it was super cool. But what was neat was um, they had all the the wacky, waving, inflatable, arm-flailing tube men going. Um, And uh, Jordan Peele was, like, doing this, like, you know, introduction thing, explaining the whole thing. And then halfway through, um, the, the video cuts out. And the TVs look like they're off, but it's just playing like creepy sounds. And then all the um, the wacky, waving, inflatable, arm flailing tube men went down. And it just you sit there with these creepy sounds for a while, and nothing's moving, and they turned off. And it's like this is the best thing ever. <laughs> it's so simple, 
but it's executed so right. <laughs> that must have been fun to see. Like that was a great movie. So being able to like see stuff yeah. like that, I bet was was really great. They also had the Fry's van from the movie. Oh yeah? Yeah. So that's neat. Um but was oh the other thing, so <laughs> this is weird. Because I, I feel like people overlook this, but I have to recommend to anybody that goes, you have to see the Waterworld live show. Which is a, it sounds like a dumb sentence when it comes out of my mouth. Um, have you seen this? I don't think so. So here, I got this time stamped here. Um, it's a live stunt show on water. Like they have like fucking jet skis and and stuff. Well, the thumbnail makes this look dangerous. Yeah, it is. Um, but they're doing like fights and they're falling, uh, you know, two stories into water. I like the uh, it's, Biff and Baff like punch sound effects. Yeah, it's fun because it feels like a, a crappy 80s movie. But also like, holy shit, that set is huge. Oh, it's got to be. They got it. They land an airplane on it. Oh, shit. Someone shot a rocket launcher. Oh, they did. <laughs> Look out, hero and villain. Here comes the plane. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> So they have the seats marked for, like, what's a splash zone. They don't tell you it's a heat burn zone, do you? Oh, wow, <laughs> you yeah, You feel the heat from the pyrotechnics going off the whole time. And, like, all the actors are good. Um, They know how to handle a crowd. And it's really fun because, like, <laughs> there's this one couple that was sitting, like, in the front row. And this one lady, she got so drenched. Like, she was soaked. And then one of the villain grunts that, like, splashed her with his jet ski. He like They, they all run out to, to, like, take a bow. But he ran up, like, right in front of her just to, like, point and laugh at her and run away. Uh, and she was looking at her boyfriend, like, in shock. <laughs> like, did he just come out here to yell at me? Man, that guy had like f- like fire on him. Like, this is pretty. Uh, this is hardcore. It's a good show. It's seeing this stuff live. Um, it's something else. Must be nuts to like rehearse this and like get cast for this. Yeah, I wonder. Um, we're running out on time, so I'm trying to figure out what pictures are worth showing. I did go to Springfield. Oh, how was that? Um, that was fun. I feel like it's bigger than it needs to be. Let's, uh... I can see that, I guess. <laughs> but it's also like, it felt like liking The Simpsons again, which I haven't in a while. Like every building had jokes on it. Um, I did go to Moe's Tavern. It's kind of weird to see the, uh, very cartoony, like, plastic looking statues of the characters like it yeah it's not a perfect execution um they have a quickie mart you can get buzz cola and slushies it's neat but uh, it's definitely i don't like the simpsons enough for this to be like a thing i would want to do and then it doesn't look like the execution's that good i yeah i don't know i think you really 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 have to like the simpsons (laughs) so like i don't know how long this is going to stay here um, but also, I saw Mario Land from a distance. I'm not allowed in yet. Oh, no, that looks neat. Uh, and guess who I saw there? Um, Richard. No, uh, Jenny Nicholson. Oh, no shit. Yeah, she was doing her Nintendo Land preview day. Um, and it was funny because I thought I saw her. Like, you know, like waiting in line at something. <laughs> And it's like, she looks real familiar, and it was, like, bugging me. And then, like, that night, I'm checking Twitter, and then her Twitter account is full of just pictures of her at Universal Studios complaining about lines. And it's like, it was her! Small world. That's crazy. Um, Yeah, but you know you know my favorite thing in the world? Um, Yeah, uh, unicorns and trash. No, no, mermaids and no, trash. No, Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. I always get this wrong. And they, they refurbished the Jurassic Park ride into the Jurassic World ride. 
And How it's is a that? really fun ride. It has animatronic nice. dinosaurs come at you. And it's a huge, it's a water, you're on a boat. Um, like the scene cut from the movie. And then at the end, you you have this like vertical drop. So you're in a boat and you just drop straight down off a waterfall. It's insane. Um, so I got this really flattering picture of myself next to the closed sign. Wearing my Harry Potter scarf I got. Yay! Um. So you, did you go but, with your parents or were you by yourself? No, just by myself. I'm glad it was still fun. I, I think, you know, I, I we had should a lot normalize being able to do things by ourselves, like go to movies or concerts or theme parks or whatever. Like the idea of, you know, you have to do this with a group or with two people is to me outdated. I can literally I could sit at home alone and be suicidal or I can sit in line at Harry Potter World and feel suicidal with a bunch of witnesses around to stop me. <laughs> that's so dark but i laughed um but yeah it, it was it was a very fun i needed a vacation and this is definitely a vacation um but the best part is coming up here with my glad space uh bucket list item is off the list i went to the rainforest cafe oh yeah um look at how <laughs> it was so dysfunctional <laughs> So it, it says they open at 11. And so I, I stayed later in my hotel and I leave and it, it's an hour away. So I time it out. So I'll get there at like 11, me, 1130. Right. And it's like, I figured, you know, I can get a lunch or something. Um, the gift shop opens at 11, not the restaurant. So I have to wait longer <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, I'm in this empty gift shop with no employees around. Just taking pictures of all the weird animatronics. Um, here's some rain next to the toucan. Here's the elephant. Uh, eventually, I finally did get my drink and my my salad, and it was actually really good. I enjoyed the food there. I wasn't expecting much. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is a good salad. Um, but the, the gimmick, like it's, it's got robots and shit, but they also have like thunderstorms Yeah. So every 20 minutes, like the lights will dark and there's loud storm sound effects that will drown out your conversation. And it's really bizarre and it's, it's weird. And it's like the kind of thing where I feel like I would want, if I was an eccentric millionaire, I would open a restaurant like this. With robots and odd inconvenient theming. So, I've been to a rainforest cafe before. It has been an obscenely long time since I've I've done. I think I was probably less than ten. We went. There's one in the Mall of America in Minnesota. That's one and of the I better remember, ones. I think this is the T-shirt I ended up. My dad got this T-shirt and never wore it. And then when I got a bit bigger, I basically became my T-shirt. And I, I had this t-shirt, I, I want to say for like six <laughs> years, this fucking like ugly ass iguana t-shirt that's just like <laughs> six shades of the most vibrant ear, eye searing green. It's got this and weird I, like tie-dye effect on it. Yeah, like I, I, I'm pretty sure that's the exact one I had. And I, I wore that a lot and people were like, what the fuck? And it's like, it's got an iguana. I don't know. It's kind of cool. And like, I'm an idiot. I don't know anything. Um. I don't, I, I don't have much more memories other than that, but it is kind of funny to be like, oh, yeah, I have, I have a, a Rainforest Cafe t-shirt story, too. <laughs> so, um, what, so one of the things I'm doing is I want to start collecting shot glasses because I don't have enough shot glasses, like, for, for hosting. Oh, how many do you and need? And so it's like, oh, it's like I, should, I should get some <laughs> so I can pour drinks for people, you know? So when I have these opportunities, it's like, oh, you know, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to go to the Warhammer store. And get a Warhammer shot glass. I'm going to go to Universal Studios and get like a Jurassic Park shot glass. I'm going to you know do all kinds of stuff. Warhammer didn't have any. Um, the Universal ones all sucked ass. I didn't even want to get one. So it's like no matter what, I'm getting a Rainforest Cafe one. So with the gift store open, I bought a shot glass. Finally, the restaurant opens. I sit down and I ordered a drink with my salad. Um, and then like she brings me my check and says, and then you get to keep the glass um, because you ordered the drink. 
And so I got this nice, like, huge ass margarita glass with the Rainforest Cafe logo on it and my shot glass. Oh, nice. I only have like maybe three shot glasses, and that always seems like enough. I, I don't know why you you need more than that. I have well, that's the thing is I have one, and it's a My Little Pony one that I insist on using myself. Oh, okay. It's got it's laser etched um, rarities cutie mark on it, so it's just like a cool diamond effect. Sure. So it's like it's not if you don't recognize the symbol, it's just an interesting shot glass. But then if you do, you kind of give me a side eye, and then I punch you in the neck and run away. That's one of those things where like you recognize it, and you're just like, if I say something, people will know. <laughs> yeah, you have to hide your power level. <laughs> Um, I remember that that happened once in a discord someone mentioned like made a reference to a really I don't know if it was obscure but a, a, a piece of like smut uh, uh, and I, I recognized it and I was like well if I say hey I think that's from this then people will know that I've read that or we're come across it and I don't want to have to explain that so we're gonna let that go <laughs> I will be the silent judge oh there's some decent my little pony shot glasses on Etsy so anyways, that was the great Cameron adventure. And my glad space is the Rainforest Cafe uh, shot glass. How about you? Do you have a, a glad space? Um, Yeah, I guess I have a couple options. I'm trying to figure out which one I want to pick. But it's okay. So speaking of pl- problematic authors, I, I reread some HP Lovecraft this week uh, because I'm uh, working on a short story, and I wanted to do some kind of weird cosmic horror vibes, and I, and he's the OG. And so I picked up, I have his complete works, and I'm flipping through it. And I'm like, I want to read some stuff I haven't read before. And so I, I picked a couple shorter things first, and they were not stuff I think that was like really like published, published, but just things he wrote that are in this that were not maybe published for a reason. And it's like, okay, these suck. This is stupid. Uh, I guess I'll have to find something a bit longer. And I found... Uh, through the Gates of the Silver Key, which is uh, something he wrote in 1930, 1932. And I had a lot of fun reading this. It's it's one of those things where if you think about any one part for too long, you're just like, none of this makes maybe that much sense from a character perspective. Things are kind of stupid. But when it's like going really hard and doing like the crazy Lovecraft shit with uh, dimensions and evil monsters and dreams and uh, traveling through time and all that, it's like, oh, this... This kind of fucking works. This is a this is a good time. Um, it, it it's a sh- it's a shame there's random racism in it for for literally to me no reason. But you know it's Lovecraft. He's definitely he's gonna do that. But every once in a while, I I, I pick this you know this big fucking brick of a of a collection I have of him, and the stuff that works works really well, even though it kind of doesn't. And I, I wish I could, like, articulate and dissect the, the, the proper things because I want to use those in my own writing, right? Like, the, the tone or the sense of, like, size and, and, and scale and whatever fucked up shit he's doing because uh, it's cool. It's just weird. That it's just the, the package is always, is always so weird, but that's kind of charming, too, because it's like, man, this guy thought he was so smart when he wrote. Like, he, he, he seems so pretentious, the word, you know, his word choice and his sciencey shit and 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 whatnot like he's just a he's just a strange read and i and i had fun going through that story well that's good i i think it's important to be able to have fun i if if anyone out there can't like process context and you know segregate opinions and parse information i don't know how you function in reality like in this story, this guy is trying to ostensibly he wants to like return to the the wonder and childlike exploration of when he was a kid. And he wants to like use this silver key, which is this magical, like time traveling, dimensional moving device that's magic. Um and kind of go back in time and just be like, I don't want to be a sad adult anymore. I want to be a kid where I could go explore in the caves and have fun. And uh he's going through the process. And there's like a ritual he's got to do. And there's this weird, creepy guy who's like, hey, you know, you can turn back. But if you don't, you're going to be thrown into the cosmos. But you can do magic with your key, assuming you have all the stuff. Do you have the instructions? He's like, yeah, I got the instructions. But he didn't have the instructions. He missed a piece of paper. And uh, 
all of this stuff was cool. You're just like, oh man, we're going, we're going places. We we've you know slipped through a crack in the universe. We found a different universe, right? You know this this kind of uh, that cosmic element. And so he he's, he he goes through this crack, and he's like, oh my god, like I can see myself, but I can see like myself in other timelines and other dimensions. I can see myself in other planets. It's not quite me, but it's like the the idea of me. I'm an alien. I'm a I'm a crustacean. I'm I'm emptiness. I'm a void. I, you know, then this like entity starts talking to him and that's him too. And the entity's like, Hey, you can take this key and do this stuff, but you gotta be careful. You can still turn back. And he's like, well, that planet over there, I used to dream about that planet when I was a kid and I'm trying to like, you know, channel that. Right. So let's go there. I want to go there. And he goes there and he gets like stuck in this body of a weird, ugly insect creature. And, uh, he doesn't have that other piece of paper, that other like part of the spell, so he can't go back, and so he's stuck here, and he's fighting to k- take control of his body because like the the Randall Carter or whatever his name is is like you know doesn't want him there, the bug version, and he doesn't want to be there, and he eventually like drugs himself so he can like be this and does the science and travels back to Earth and time travels uh, using a spaceship, and it's all fucking like it's so weird and nonsensical, but it's this is something written in the '30s, and it's got like some weird kind of deep sci-fi shit going on and i don't know so it was fun i'm glad i i kind of like older sci-fi because current sci-fi has become so repetitive and also largely pessimistic like everything's negative i don't i don't know this it's kind of this one too like felt really different where like the character's goal actually had like an emotional crux to it i don't i don't think lovecraft isn't great on emotional reasoning behind anything it just was not his strong suit he didn't care and so like the idea of like this guy being sad and i want to be a kid again and then he goes on this like crazy you know thousand year adventure of time travel to try and do that and fucks up was really compelling for him and i wish i wish a better author had done it but i also think a better author would not have done the weird shit the way he would have done it wouldn't have been there and so you know you get you, there's a, a good and bad with with his writing well i'm glad you got something out of it i'm looking at my little pony shot glasses on etsy now i should probably not do this <laughs> i um i've been disappointed in my hunt for shot glasses and i'm starting to think i should probably just like go to one of these places where I can just like print a picture on one and I'll just design my own. I want and stop looking. My dad used to collect shot glasses and we have a ton of them at his house. He stopped because he had too many and was like, I got to stop doing this. This is dumb. We don't even use them. We just, we just have them. So I I mean, that's the thing is like, be careful. I want to have a liquor cabinet and then have like a row on one shelf of, you know, here's a glass and you just grab one. Sure. We don't even have the cabinet, so it's like, I don't need these yet. <laughs> My problem is, I want a liquor cabinet, but I buy a bottle and I drink it, then I buy another bottle and I drink it. I never have, like, more than two at a time, and even, the, I rarely have that. But anyways, I think this was a fun show. We both had a so. lot of fun this weekend. Why would you want a Diamond Tiara Cutie Mark shot glass? Like, does anybody like that character that much? You know, I think some people do. There's like a contrarian element where people like uh, the non-main characters more than the main characters. She gets vaguely redeemed in, I think, season eight or nine and tells her snooty parents off. And it's like, I want to have friends with the poor people. And they're like, okay, or something. But, you know, not my favorite. We don't always agree, but... I don't care for Diamond Tiara either, so <laughs> at least you know, we can we're, shake we're, on that. We're we're coming together. <laughs> I bet we could convince North Korea and South Korea that they also don't care for Diamond Tiara, and we could finish the Korean War. We could do this, Cameron. That would be interesting. Can you imagine, like, if that was the <laughs> the topic? It was like, guys, guys, we all like My Little Pony, right? And then they all like stop and like, wait a minute. We do. Uh, speaking of dumb kids show, I watched an hour long video about the Thomas Tank Engine movie. Oh, yeah. That was like in theaters. I don't remember being in theaters. 
and I don't like Thomas Tank Engine. I've never watched one. And it's like, <laughs> why am I watching this? But I love movie trivia so much. That's why I went to Universal Studios and took pictures of buildings. Gotta be careful with like that YouTube stuff too, though, because it'll just be like, hey, do you want to watch this? And you're like, no. And then you click on it anyways. It was really fascinating. You know, Alec Baldwin was the star. Did not expect that. No. <laughs> That's how weird this got. Did he actually shoot It was very fascinating. Anybody? No, it, but he also, um, he had a lot of like magic gold dust and he was like running out, but then he would also use it to teleport himself like upstairs. And it's like, dude, you could have walked. What are you doing? That was a major plot hole the guy didn't like. This guy has like a Thomas the Tank Engine YouTube channel. And like he he opens this video. I've never seen it before, right? So it's like, oh, what's this deal with the movie? I assume this is a movie YouTube channel. He opens it and says, okay, guys, now I know everyone on the Patreon wants me to do the season five retrospective. But before we get to it, I got to cover the movie. And I thought that was a joke, and then I realized that he does these like hour-long retrospectives of each season of Thomas Tank Engine for his Patreon. Like people are paying for this content, and it's like this is a whole fandom I don't know. How many patrons does he have? That's always my first question when I find something oh. like that. Okay, now I'm super curious. I'm gonna look that up, and then we'll close out. Okay, I remember when we talked about Tamers One, Two, Three, Four, Five last. I was like, oh, he's got a Patreon. How many? <laughs> it's like, I think it was like three hundred. Which is a lot. <laughs> Maybe it was like 130. There was a number. There was a number three in there somewhere, which is still a lot for for what he's doing. Here, I got a timestamp at the Alec Baldwin part here. This is a movie, sort of. Two hundred seventy thousand views in thirteen days. How do you find... Okay, so here's... How do you find how many patrons he has? Um, Sometimes they don't display it like cowards. And it looks like he probably doesn't. Okay. I mean, I, I imagine it shouldn't be too much. I mean, he's pulling in some decent views on his videos. He probably does pretty well. Yeah, but I, I wonder who's paying for this content, though. Like, even though people are watching for it, I'm not, it's hard to tell. There are stranger niche things that succeed. So, you know, maybe a mainstream thing like Thomas the Tank Engine is actually a good, uh, a good sizable fan base of people that, you know, would like to know more about the show that formed our childhood. Yeah. Well, good for him. This is the Unlucky Tug on YouTube. All credit to the Unlucky Tug. For sponsoring this episode. Baldwin does look like he's having a lot of fucking fun in this movie. Yeah, apparently he enjoyed it too. Like, the movie flopped, but he doesn't have anything negative to say about it. And I think that's very nice. Um, But yeah, I guess that's all. I want to wish everybody a happy um, February. Yeah. And we'll see you real soon. Hopefully it's not four degrees tomorrow, but I know it will be, and it sucks. Yeah, that too. Bye, everybody.